on this week's show. Top of the league and ready for a top of the table clash, we have from Ramsgate boss Steve Lovell, who's not getting carried away. It's very tight and everybody's beating everybody uh, else and um, it's making it a, a very interesting league. And, um, you know, it's going to go all the way, I think, to the end. And through again on penalties in the FA Vars, we hear from Deal Town boss Steve King. We've had four away draws. We've had really good crowds at home and we just wanted a home draw this time. We wanted to try and get a big crowd in at Charles Brown and really see if we could make it into the last 16 at home. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Kent Non-League Podcast, sponsored by Nick Cunningham Plumbing and Heating. Uh, we're so glad to be back with you after a little break last week. Basically, I'd been away for a few days and Matt was snowed under at work, so we decided that no show was better than a rubbish one. Uh, we've got a couple of really good interviews for you this week, so I hope you're going to enjoy that. And as I say, we're glad to be back. As always, I'm John Phipps. I'm trying desperately not to get ripped off by my electricity company. And on the line now, for the first time in four weeks, is Mr. Dependable himself, fresh from his World Cup experience. It is, of course, the one and the only Matt Gerrard. How are you, mate? And good, mate. Good to speak to you. How brilliant was it to be at the World Cup? Uh, it was, again, I, I'm get, I think people are getting bored because occasionally people I haven't seen at work ask me how it is and I say the same old thing. It was fantastic. I loved every second of it. We managed to see six games in the end. The organisation of the tournament was brilliant. Um, it was great to spend some good time with some good friends of mine. We don't really see each other much these days. So it was fantastic there. The weather was unbelievable. The people were unbelievable. Uh, we felt so safe. I know the World Cup has had a, you know, a bad press, but... Um, Again, I'm not going to go into things like that, but all in all, the organisation of the tournament and everything was just fantastic. Went to six different grounds. Um, the football wasn't, you didn't see great games, but it was just the atmosphere was just unbelievable. And, and I, I don't know if you've seen Mark Pugach on Twitter. He sort of did a thing like a couple of days ago about the thing and how it works in one place. And it was brilliant. So I went to the World Cup in Germany absolutely love that but this was completely different we could get around easily luckily my my good friend who lives out there knew bits and pieces we went to the red lion pub you know it's been advertised on the telly so we have a, we did have a drink over there but no it was absolutely fantastic mate i loved every second of it and um great to come home see the family and kids but you know watching the games on the telly i think oh, i wish i'd be out there still be out there because it was fantastic I've heard a lot of people uh, that they interviewed some uh, Dutch supporters on the radio at the weekend when I was driving up to work. And the, the Dutch folk were saying that the fact that all the stadiums are so close together is making the atmosphere incredible because you get to see, he said, we've met co- people from every single country. We've met someone. And he's like, you know, we're really getting to know people and everything like that. And I suppose, you know, the next one is in America and the group stage is going to be horrific if they keep with the 16 three team groups. But you could easily have one team based in New York, one team based in L- in LA, and not have the opportunity to see the other supporters. But I, I think the fact that it's all so close together is actually making it a, a really good tournament if if you're out there. I mean, we all know about the issues. Uh, we've spoken about the issues on this show as well. And obviously, some of the issues are are, are very, very poor and the, and how it all ended up being out there, likewise. But... It seems to me like actually being out there, the organisation, as you said, is brilliant. And the fan experience seems really good. Yeah, I, I, I didn't know what I expected. But again, a lot of these things, we felt so safe as well. You know, you went down the souk, you see it on the telly. 
you know, you know, you didn't have to worry about, you know, getting pickpocketed or anything like that. And as I said to somebody, you know, the Euros are coming up and, you know, I'm sure it'll be a fantastic tournament in Germany. But the concern will be you'll be sitting there and then have plastic chairs flying over your head when people start fighting again. But it was just a really good, you know, the weather it was fantastic going in November. That helped wandering around. It, it was it was just really good. And so you met a lot of people, thousands and thousands of Mexicans. And the Mexican fans, unbelievable supporting the team. I have to say, we managed to do two games in a day and we went to see Wales against Iran. And I have to say, Iran fans are absolutely mental. You had this sort of cheerleader guy running up in front of us and he was telling everybody to sing. It was just, yeah, to be honest, Iran were probably one of the best teams I saw. How poor Wales were, because Gareth Bale can't run anymore. But from a supporter's point of view, we saw some, you know, the Mexicans were good, the Senegalese were good, the Japanese were very happy they won. And we kept saying, um, you know, well done when we walked out of the stadium. They said, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. They were very nice. So, and Brazil. So, I say the worst game we saw was England against USA, which was absolutely pathetic. Nothing was going on there. But again, in the, in the, in the landmark of football games, it won't be up there. But if England win the World Cup, I can say I've seen England at the, at the tournament. They won the World Cup. But it was it was brilliant, mate. I, I can't believe it's three weeks today or three weeks tomorrow that I flew. So it went so quick. But um, yeah, it, it was great. And the people I went with, it was just perfect, perfect holiday. Really, it, it was to see football as well. So yeah, I, I've got to stop going on about it because um, from there, have you seen the picture of me with the Mexicans? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was, uh, I, you sent it to me, actually. I did, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so of course I've seen it. And uh, yeah. it was also sent to me by our mutual friend, Tom, uh, who yeah. wanted to make sure that I'd definitely seen it. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then shortly afterwards, I discovered that your mate had put it on Twitter. So I, I yeah, exactly, it from the yeah. podcast. Put, yeah, that was it, yeah. yeah. So yes, yeah. It, it was just really friendly. Everybody was friendly. And again, it might have been because nobody was tanked up. But I think everybody just enjoyed the experience of, of, the, of the World Cup. And... Again, if they, I presume that the only place they can do this again is probably going to be in um, the Middle East if they went to Saudi Arabia to do a tournament like that. We maybe in Saudi Arabia could have won it in one place, but I think there is a method of um, putting it close together because the fans can come together. As you say, Canada and Mexico and USA will be fantastic, but teams will be flying all over the place, and it just won't be the same. I think as this tournament, which I think at the moment is going down a for being a very good tournament and B for being well organized. So apart from the issues, um, which I don't think people are sort of a lot of the mainstream media in the UK don't seem to be mentioning now because England are doing well. If England had got out in the group stages, there may have been a bit of a more of a backlash. Yeah, so just a couple of takeaways from that. You didn't see anyone with a firework up their arse. Uh, and also the man whose team got one point in the National League said the football wasn't that great. I just want you to, to think yeah, of that. Yeah, as, I, I, yeah, we didn't see many goals because, of course, a lot of there's no goals in the first. You support Dover. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> nothing changes from that point of view, but no, it was um, it it, it was great uh, again, and um, uh, uh, yeah, I, I can't I can't say anymore how much I enjoyed it. it. I laughed from start to end, and I'm yeah, we had a we had a great time. So and um, yeah, and again, you feel like you want to go to another tournament, but again, the concern is in Germany. It won't be the same and concern as you get your head kicked in. That's what I would say. Absolutely. Well, we'll leave that bit there then. It's our yeah. 236th episode this week. 
uh, as well as being a happy number, there are 236 different phylogenetic trees representing the history of evolutionary divergences among five species. What's a phylogenetic tree, I hear you ask? Well, it's a branching diagram or tree showing the evolutionary relationships among various biological species or other entities based upon similarities and differences in their physical or genetic characteristics. All life on Earth is part of a single phylogenetic tree indicating common ancestry. Insert your own gags here. Uh, we weren't, uh, you weren't here a couple of weeks ago, Matt, but we had the uh, the milestone of, I always said we'd stop this feature when I, we got to the highest number house I've ever lived at, and we did it. It was 234. Um, what's the highest number house you've ever lived at? 123. Yeah. Longfield Road in Dover, that was where I lived there. With my, I've only lived in about three houses, not including, uh, not including when I was at university where I had three houses there, but I've lived in one, my mum lived in, we've lived in two houses, so there, when I was born, and, and I've lived in this house for 17 years, 17 years, so yeah, so yeah, so not, I've only sort of had three sort of houses really, so yeah, so 123, so wait, you probably don't get really long numbers, the houses, talking of houses, they are some th houses propping up in Thanet, everywhere you go, any bit of green land, bang, there's bricks going on it, so like, goodness knows the infrastructure's going to melt down, but that's for another day, but yeah, what is going on everywhere? It's just houses being built and houses in Thanet, and the road infrastructure is terrible as it is. It's going to break very shortly. You say there's not big long street numbers anymore, but funnily enough, very close to me, um, the road at the bottom of my of where I live at the at the bottom of the big round uh, is Seaside Road. Um, and Seaside Road stretches pretty much from uh, not far from my house all the way into town. And I'm pretty sure there's at least a number 500 along Seaside wow. Road. So, you know, it's quite interesting. But I wouldn't have thought these, these new houses that all look the same that are going up. No. There won't be many of them 500s no. anymore. So, there won't be many 500s there, will there? But, yeah, so that's, uh, yeah, a little bit of a interesting well, trivia. 123, so 123 was at Longfield Road, which lived up a big hill. If anybody knows Dover, it was on a very steep hill with Shakespeare Road. So when it was snowing, you could get your, uh, which could snow surely, um, your sledge all the way down. And of course, you, you wouldn't be able to do it now because of cars there, but you could have really good sledging down there. So that was it. Excellent. Well, let's uh, let's get on with the show. Uh, we're going to start this week in the Ishmael League South East, where it was another good week for Ramsgate. They made it four wins out of five, and went five points clear at the top briefly, uh, with a big win at fellow High Flyers White Talk. Steve Lowell was named as Manager of the Month for November as well, and his week got even better when his phone rang this morning. And on the other end of the line was Matt Gerrard. So here is the Ramsgate manager, Steve Lovell. It's, it's very good. You know, I've, I would have taken this to start of the year. Um, I went to watch uh, Beckenham last night. Yeah. Uh, they beat um, Chichester 4-1. So they've moved into second place and we got them on Saturday. So uh, the last couple of weeks we've played uh, teams that uh, have been in the top uh, top three in the league when we played them um, <clears throat> Ashford a couple of weeks ago White Oak on Saturday and now Beckenham this Saturday so it's um, <clears throat> a good um, a good time of the year to try and get the, the wins under our belt How competitive do you think the division is? Looking at the table there, there's numerous sides who can go on and win this game win this division this year Oh yeah there is it, you know you look at the, the points between us and perhaps down to 11th or 12th and it, it's not many uh, points in it. Um, it's very tight, and everybody's beating everybody uh, else, and um, it's making it a, a very interesting league. So, and it's a tough league, you know. It's a tough league. Some good sides, even the sides on the bottom, are putting up uh, really good performances against the top sides. 
And, um, you know, it's going to go all the way, I think, to the end. But, uh, you know, it makes it uh, interesting for us and for the, the supporters. I suppose you, you, I suppose you came in at Ramsgate at the back end of last season, you know, after they looked like they were going to get in the playoffs. Then they come out and I think you won the first three games and you stayed there. What, what, what attracted you to Ramsgate? Because I, I live in Thanet, so I know there's yeah. a, the, the, the youth part of the club is really on the up. Yeah, I just had a meeting with James, the, the chairman, and um, I liked him and I liked what his vision was for the football club and what he was doing at the football club. Um, there's nice, lovely people down there. It's a good setup. The pitch is nice. The, the club now is is being improved um, this year with a new uh, bar facility going in there, and um, it, it's it's just a, a nice a nice atmosphere. The players were excellent. A great group of players which we've added to this year, but. Um, no, all in all, I just, I just enjoy it. I just enjoy going down there and um, and working for the for the chairman because uh, you know he's such a hard working man and um, you know he he wants uh, he wants uh, success. Well, people were surprised, you know, you, you've managed the level, you know, the levels you've managed, and you come down to it. But you have managed at this level before, isn't it? So in the, in that period of it, has that has the professionalism? Has anything really changed much since you managed at this level before? Um, yeah, I, th- I think it's um, it's a lot more. Uh, professional, I'd say, is a lot more um, coaches and managers now from other teams have been in the game a long time. <clears throat> There's a lot more tactics involved. Uh, managers understanding what their play that their team needs to play, and you know, and, and the changing of plans if it doesn't happen in in the game. So, yeah, I think I think it's a, it's a really strong league. Uh, and is you know, there's managers who are out of this league, uh, you know, can can manage higher. Uh, definitely, um, and it's the same principle. It's your principles as a manager what you want to put over to the club. Um, obviously, the levels of uh, ability will be different the higher you go. Uh, but you know, it's the same principles, and if you can apply them and the players uh, uh, understand it, then you know you can have a good chance. Looking at your, your squad, you've got there. You've got a mixture of youngsters and experience. Kane Rowland scored two at the weekend. You know, he's you know I think I'd. I'd Thought he was a lot older when I mentioned him on the pod a few months ago about it, but he's a good player at this level, a good target man, at, and can score goals, can't he? Yeah, he's, I think he's got five in the last four games. So he's, he, you know, he's been out. He was out where he had um, concussion, uh, which put him out for a, a two or three weeks, and he couldn't get back in the side. Uh, he's waiting for his opportunity, and he's got himself fitter. And yeah, he's been great for us. You know, apart from the goals, his work rate. His hold-up play um, has been excellent. We were looking for a, a number nine, if you like, to come and um, uh, to make the squad complete. And um, you know, he's come in and, and done a great job and, and got his goal. So you know, it's, it's, it was a great uh, uh, addition uh, to our team that he he could come back after his injury and um, and produce what he's producing. Again, I think you brought Nathan Wood in, who's played at a higher level as well. Ashley Miller, did you, did you know him from his Gillingham days as well? Yeah, he was a young lad at um, Gillingham when I was there, when I first took over there. And uh, yeah, we knew all about Ash and I know that he's, um, you know, he's been a great uh, servant of this league and uh, and scored. Again, he's got eight goals this year and, and he's, he's he's firing on all cylinders as well. So it helps when the goals are spread along, um, you know, throughout the team. We're, we're top scorers in the league. Um, and uh, you know, hopefully we can, we can get a couple more on Saturday. Yeah, talking about Beckham, I, I saw him a couple of times in that great FA Cup run. They are mm. particularly at home. They are a, a formidable side, as you saw last night beating Chichester. What do you expect from them? It should be an attacking game, from what I know. Both sides play. Yeah, well, 
I watched the game last night, and it could have been eight eight six. I think yeah. at the end of the day, it was it was a very much a, an open game where both teams uh, attacked and um, didn't leave a lot to defend. To be honest, and it was a very open game. Um, but um, yeah, I, I think you know it, it will be a game that we will take to them. We'll we'll have a go, and uh, but obviously we've got to be a bit wary of them on the counter attack, which they they do very well. So. Um, yeah, it'd be an interesting game. It's, it's again, it's a, a game against uh, a second place team, and uh, you know it, it'll be. Um, you know, I just want to get something from the game, like like they will. So it'll be, it'll be. I think it'll be a, a really good game, and uh, hopefully we can come out on top. Finally, expectations for Ramsgate. Again, they've been in the level before, got into the playoffs uh, under Jim Ward. Is that the main aim that, to try and get promoted and be competitive in the league above? And of course. Margate are in that league as well. That could always add a bit of spice to it. Yeah, I think what it is is just taking each each week as it comes, and uh, you know, Matt, in, in this league and any league, if you have injuries, if you have suspensions, it, it can damage your squad. So we just got to keep away from that and uh, make sure that we we uh, perform a week in, week out, and uh, if we get the results, then um, you know, obviously, we'll be in a good position at the end of the season. But you know, we we're just going on and and, and play our game. Uh, on a, on a game-by-game uh, game basis and uh, hopefully we'll be in a good position at the end to, to fight for one of them places. Uh, uh, we expected at the start of the season a Kent side to win it. Apart from Whitehawk, you know, top six of the mm. sides are Kent sides. Um, do you expect one of the Kent sides to go on and win it? Um, I'd like to think so because we're involved in that, one of them. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think it'd be nice, but there's a lot of uh, teams from Sussex, there's... You know, there's teams that are around like Whitehawk are a decent side and Ashford and, you know, you've got lots of teams, even Seven Oaks are a good side and they could come up and have a good run. So, yeah, I think, you know, you've just got to take every game as it comes, give it your best shot in every game and hopefully uh, get the points needed to stay in there, that top five. Well, as you said there, Matt, it's, it's tight at the top, but Ramsgate doing very well so far, aren't they? Yeah, I, I think... Even though Steve Lovell has been in this level before, maybe probably 20 odd years ago, when he was sitting more in Ashford, coming to take this job, especially, you know, he's managed in the League One last season for a few games with Gillingham. He thought, mm, has he still got the hunger? Clearly he has. Um, again, Ramsgate quite well run off the pitch. James Lawson, I think he's desperate for them to get promoted, especially after last season when maybe they should have done a little bit better or at least got in the playoffs. And now they're. Going on well, and, and as he says, it's a very, very tight division, but they seem to be winning games and winning games against sides around them. And a big game they've got again this weekend against Beckham or a second. And the report you read, if you read the report from the Whitehawk game, it seemed to be a bit lucky, but as in Bramsgate hit them on the counter attack and finished them off, and that shows the sign of a of a good team. But yeah, Steve Lovell, one of the nice guys in football, bringing a side together at Ramsgate. I know they've got a few players that maybe could play at a higher level, as in youngsters. Um, so I think the model's working well. And again, I say they're desperate to be in the same division as Margate next season. And they've got a good chance to do that this current right if they keep up this good form. Yeah, well, as Ryan Day said when he stood in for you a couple of weeks ago, that they'd love that at Margate as well. I think that would be quite the, yeah. uh, quite the feature. But uh, interesting you said about the squad there and, and, and how it's a mixture of youth and experience and that's a really good thing and, and you talk about Kane Rowland there he's not as experienced as you think he is no. um we've discussed that and you mentioned it there but I'd imagine for for him as a striker to play under a striker who's got so many football league goals must must be great for him 
it was interesting because my hairdresser, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, Matt who used to play for Ramsgate. He said they were looking for a number nine out there, and and I, of course, now they've got one in Kane Road, and do he is a good player at that level, strong, physical, will put himself around, and he's a goal scorer. And, and Matt the hairdresser said that's all they were missing is somebody, you know, a little bit physical in this division who can score goals, and maybe they've got that in. In Kane Rowland, again, Ashley Miller scoring goals. He's been there a long time. And they've also got um, Jai, I think, you, you know, attracted a lot of clubs recently, but he hasn't been involved. So shows that they, you know, building on it and not not keeping with the same squad. Steve Lovell, if a player can come available, they've got Nathan Wood, I think from Tunbridge, who's played at Woking. If a player can come available, he's backed in the transfer market as well to improve. And if you can do that while you're top of the league and get better players in, you're going to have a good season. Yeah, I mean, we, we talk a lot about Ramsgate and everything like that and, and you know, the great work that they've done there. And, and as I always say, I remember when I was there, when I used to cover them, what, nearly 10 years ago and, and the work that Phil Fennell was doing there at the club. Uh, and, and James Lawson seems to be carrying that on. And I think that by appointing Steve Lovell, they've shown a bit of ambition, I think. And that's going to sort of, I, I think they're reaping the benefits of it. It, it is very tight up the top there, but, you know, all you can do is, is keep winning games of football. And right now, that's what Rams get doing. But as Steve has said, they're a massive, massive game for them this weekend. Beckenham are moving to second spot with that form win over Chichester. A big game, that one, at, at, at Beckenham on Saturday. Yeah, I say I've seen Beckenham um, a couple of times this season. Very good at going forward. Lovely surface they'll have there. Beckenham don't lose many matches. They've lost once, I think, at home all season, apart from the Dagenham game. So, you know, they seem to turn their form around a bit as well. So, they, they expect to do well in this division and it's a very, very tight division as well. Look at the league table. See, Chatton have won every single home game this season as well. Not great away from home, but good at home. So, can't, um, you know, rule them out. You can't use, rule Ashford out. And as he said before, Sevenoaks, um, good side at this division, good manager as well. It's going to be a tight old division, but Ramsgate have got the pole position at the moment. And if they can get three points against Beckenham, does give them a little bit of a gap as well. So that's a big game, arguably the biggest game in the uh, Eastman South East this season. Yeah, and I think uh, I think it's one of those things as well where, you know, that it's becoming crucial now. These teams are all playing against each other. And, yeah. you know, I was looking at the table early on and Ashford are sixth all of a sudden. You know, it is tight. And, and you know, he mentioned them there, Seven Oaks, given where they were when we had them on just after their cup run, yeah. all of a sudden they've flown up the league. They've won tonight. Uh, in their game against uh, against Whitehawk, you know another team that are that are up there as well, and, and they're they're in they're in the mix as well, and, and that's what I kind of love about this division is that you know if you go on a run of, of of games, you can get yourself right up there, and then the the challenge for the teams at the top like your Ramsgate, your Beckenhams, your Chathams, is you've got to you, they can't afford to take their foot off the pedal, and and as we've said to many managers when they get promoted into this division, that's the difference. You can't ever afford to take your foot off the pedal, can you? No, I think you think about Ashford as well. You know, Ashford, I'm beating at home. Four draws out there, eight games. I think, you know, you don't want to lose. Because, again, there's such a tight division, a lot of sides out there. You cannot afford to lose against the sides around you at the top. But you've got to beat the sides down the bottom if you play. And that's maybe Ashford's, particularly at home, four, four draws is too many. You know, you take some, you've had another, if they'd won three of those games, it puts them right in there. And I'm sure Tommy Warrillow's thinking, yeah, particularly at home, we've got to make sure turn the draws into wins. Otherwise, they could get you know, sucked away from it a little bit from the big teams. But Tommy Warrillow, he'll know what he's got to do 
and again, Steve Lovell's not getting too carried away, but he'd rather be in Ramsgate position than maybe Ashford. It's kind of the season, as you say. They're on top of the tribe, and everybody's got to try and knock them down. Yes, absolutely. And, and it's interesting to see Chatham, actually, uh, they're a disappointing result of the weekend as they lost at Cray Valley, uh, but bringing in lots of new players, and, and among them, uh, Billy Bennett, who left yeah. Sheffield United earlier this week and has now uh, moved ever so slightly I thought he up might end it. up with the ball. Well, yeah, that was. I would have thought there might have been a chance of that, but I think the lure of playing in that division still, uh, and I think it's a bit closer to home for him as well. And I think he was at Chatham before as well. So, yeah, so yeah. Uh, I think that's an excellent signing for Chatham. And, and you know, Chatham, they won't be short of goals, I'd imagine. And, you know, they're already up there in terms of being near the top scorers, 28 and 15. That's uh, five fewer than Ramsgate. Ramsgate have played a go- goal a game more, sorry. Um but they're certainly look, moving in the right direction, Chatham, and, and you know they're not they're not standing still, uh, and I think that goes back to it, doesn't it? You can't afford to rest on your laurels. Oh, and, and game they'll be hoping that the home form is so good, 100% record. Eventually, their away form has got to turn around, and they'll be up there. But again, Chatham and Beckenham we thought would be in there. Sheppey again, again if they go on a bit of a run, if they can, you know, they can still be up there. But there's a lot of football left to play in this league. But I, I'm thinking it's going right to the wire this division this year. Yeah, I'll tell you what as well, Whitehawk, obviously the, in Sussex, we know they've got a decent budget as well. Yeah. But what's been really interesting, they've only lost three games and they've all come very recently to size from Kent. Two of them in the last five days. So that obviously shows that that, that they're maybe, um, maybe they're flattering to deceive a little bit. They lost, I think they lost at Beckenham a few weeks ago. Now they've lost to, to, at home to Ramsgate and they've lost to, to Seven Oaks 2-1 this evening. So that does kind of show you um, that maybe they're not, not quite the real deal as we maybe thought they were. All that, Matt, as well. Last week, uh, the, the big news was the managerial change at Faversham, where Simon Austin was sacked after just 40 days in charge. And he was replaced by Sammy Moore, who swapped top place in the Isthmian Premier for bottom of the Isthmian League South East. And he didn't start with a win either, as Faversham were held to a 1-1 draw by the team directly above them in the table, Corinthian. Uh, he should have had a penalty as well uh, in that one, the visitors. What did you make of, of that news, Matt? It was, I suppose it all came out of the blue. Simon Austin... Uh, getting the push after less than six weeks in charge, and then Sammy Moore swapping Potter's Bar for Faversham. It, it, it all, I think if someone had said that three weeks ago, we'd have all been like, really? Well, well, we did hear on the grapevine that Sammy Moore had applied before Simon Mosting. They've got it. Had physically applied for the job. Um, we've heard that Sammy Moore would like his academy to be involved at Faversham, and that was one of the stumbling blocks. But clearly, Faversham um, have decided, right, we'll go to Sammy Moore again now. Sammy Moore... We tried to get him on the show this week, but he didn't answer his phone. So I think you tried to get hold of him. You know, he's had he's a, he's a good manager. He's based in Hive, very good contacts. He has had a, a number of clubs, and it's must be his fifth club. Um, so, but on paper, if you look at him, his managerial record is pretty good. He's turned Potter's Bar around. Um, when he came in, probably in February time, about this February this year. They were struggling. He got them up middle of the table and he got them to the top of the division. So clearly he, he is a good manager um, from there. It's going to be tough at, Favish, at Favisham. Look at, I didn't realise how far adrift they were this season. So, um, again, he started to bring his new players in. Um, could he manage at a higher level than that? He could be managing the scaffold next year. Um, it'll be interesting to see. But I know he, he's based in Hyde. Wanted to get back to Kent. He's managed at Hemel. He's managed a lot of sides outside of the county. If this would be his first job in the county. He probably would, wouldn't it? So it's a big challenge for him. But he does have the new manager bounce. And Faversham will hopefully that will kickstart them. But he's got a hell of a challenge on him to 
get him up from the relegation zone. And if he can do that, as I've only picked up eight points from their opening 17 games, and with half the season to go, you've got to give him manager of the year because it's a tough challenge in that. As we know, it's a, you know, confidence is low. He's got to turn that around and fast. I mean, you talk about the new manager bounce. It never really happened for for Simon Austin. I mean, no. that, and, you know, while you would look at it and say that's really harsh, the results were appalling and, and they weren't just losing one or two. They were losing four or five, mm. um, you know, and obviously it's very hard to try and gel a new squad together at this time of year and, and you know, try, try and do it. And, and I'd imagine Sammy Moore probably won't want to make too many changes. I know some players have moved on already, um, but Faversham do need to start picking up results and, and it's, it's a tough one. I, you would think that the players that they've brought in and the manager that they've now brought in, that they've got the quality there to get them up the table. But, and and I did really want to put this question to him if, we, if we'd managed to get hold of him this week. Losing is a, is a habit. And you come into a team that's brought in all these new players and it hasn't worked. I wonder how hard that's going to be for, for, for them going forward. I mean, they've got a, a decent game this weekend. They go to Hayward Heath, whose manager just left the club. Um, that's an opportunity for them. But then Hayward Heath are two places above them. So if they don't win that game, then all of a sudden the pressure is going to get ramped on. And and as I say, losing is a habit. You know that. You've, you, you're a Dover fan, as we've already mentioned. And and it's going to be hard to to get that. That They desperately, desperately need that first win, don't they? Oh, yeah. I, I feel a bit sorry for Simon Austin. I read an article in the KM that said they wanted him a couple of times for the job, giving him 40, 40 days. Didn't work out for him, but, you know, but, yeah, I feel a little bit sorry for him from that point of view, if they wanted him. Um, there, Sammy Moore's come on. Yeah, it's a hell of a challenge for Sammy Moore. Can he turn it around? We'll have to wait and see. But if he does, as I say, it's a fantastic achievement if he can get him away from the relegation zone. But again, a win against Hayward Heath only puts them five points behind them, doesn't it? So, you know, every game is the proverbial six-pointer now. Um, I presume they've got a lot of Kent sides over Christmas as well. So it's going to come thick and fast. But what I will say, he does seem to turn clubs around for the first part. So if he can do that for Faversham, good luck to him. Yeah, massive good luck to him. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to catch up with him soon on the show. Uh, elsewhere on Saturday, it was Astral 1, Chichester 1. Uh, Sitting Moor lost 2-1 at Burgess Hill. Uh, Beckenham 2-0 wins at East Grinstead. No goals between Hyde and VCD. Sheppey United won 2-1 at Lansing. And Seven Oaks beat Hayward Heath 3-1. Uh, Hyde then beat Sheppey 1-0 in Tuesday night's other game. Uh, while Seven Oaks beat Whitehawk 2-1 this, this evening, as we've already mentioned. Uh, this weekend, Ashford host VCD, Chatham at home to Lansing, Cray Valley against Seven Oaks. That's a clash of two informed teams. As I've just mentioned, Faversham go to Manchester. Who's got the Cray Valley job? Have they appointed the manager now? They've still it. kept with, uh, with with Tommy Osborne. And all the way right. through, they've always referred to him as manager. So I'm, I'm assuming that he's staying on, but I will be keeping a close eye on that one as well. But it seems that the uh, the continuity is working well for them. Uh, at the moment. Uh, high the home to Burgess Hill on Saturday, Corinthian away to Littlehampton, Sittingbourne host East Grinstead and Sheppard United go to Three Bridges where Hythe also go on Tuesday night. Uh, up to the Eastman League Premier Division now where Cray Wanderers are the best of our teams right now. They won 1-0 at Kingstonian on Saturday and then back that up with a 2-2 draw at Bognor Regis uh, earlier on today. But the rest of the teams in that division 
it's just not going too well at the moment. Uh, Herne Bay did at least move off the bottom after a pair of draws this week. 1-1 with Wingate and Finchley on Saturday and 2-2 with Billericke on Tuesday night. Uh, Margate also drew with Billericke this week on Friday evening, 0-0. Uh, but folks are lost twice, 3-0 at Canvey Island on Saturday, 2-1 to lead us to Hornchurch on Tuesday night. A late goal there as well. Uh, Margate instantly secured the loan signing of David Smith from Bromley uh, last week for the rest of the season. Uh, he'll be frustrated, won't he? Because that seemed like a, a good move for him and, he, and he's not had a look in. This is the second loan spell he's had out there. He, he should score goals at this league, at this level. But I, I want to see him test himself at National League South level, don't you? I'm, it's a strange move because we all thought one stage he was going to Maidstone in the summer, wasn't it? I think it was um, from that. Went to Bromley. They loaned him out to Hornchurch, I think it was. So I would have thought. Then they recalled him. I think he played one game. You'd have thought somebody in the Conference South would be looking at him to give him a go. It's a good signing for Margate. Um, I don't think Margate are going up. I don't think Margate are going down. So puts him in the shop window. You probably think from a Folkestone point of view, why didn't he come back to Folkestone? Or why did he leave Folkestone? Because um, his career, you know, when you thought he got the move to to Bromley, um, that could kickstart it. But he seems to have gone two steps forward and three steps back. But see, if, if Margate can get the best out of him, he can fire them up the table. So, um yeah, strange one, but he is a good player. So it's strange, unless Bromley think they need he needs another year out, they're going to blood him in next season. Um, seems a strange move all around there, really. I can't understand why he went to Bromley if he if he didn't think he was going to get game time. Yeah, very strange. You'd have thought. Well, I, 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 I'd have thought of conference. There's plenty of Conference South clubs. I don't know if Bromley is still paying his wages. I don't know how it works on there. There's 24 Conference South clubs. I would have thought at least half a dozen he could have got a club with there and. Test them at the high level. Yes, you would have thought so. Uh, this weekend, on Saturday, Herne Bay travel to face second place Bishop Salford. Folks at home to Bognor Regis and Margate go to Potter's Bar. Uh, Herne Bay is at two o'clock and the others are at one o'clock. Uh, while on Sunday, Cray Wanderers host Harringay Borough. Then on Tuesday, Herne Bay also host Harringay Borough and Margate take on Bowers and Pitsy. Uh, into well, the the, scaffold- um, I've missed that because, of course, Kevin Watson moved from Cray Valley to Herne Bay. What was the... Thinking behind that, did you find anything more about that? Uh, well, I, I assume that obviously he's done a good job at Cray Valley. He's, yeah. He took them to Wembley, took them out of the uh, yeah. out of the scaffold and, and has made them one of the, the better teams in the East League South East. And obviously a few people went in for the, for that job and, and Herne Bay decided that he was the man to go with. Um, hasn't been a lot of chopping and changing in the squad thus far. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how that uh, how that plays out. And yeah, that's... Um, that's all we know, his, really. his main challenge is, is to keep them up for this division, I would have thought, this season. And then, as he's done before, he's build a team. So, I think he's a good manager. Um, Cray Valley's lost his Herne Bay's game and we'll see where it goes from there. So, um, yeah, I think a, a steady appointment for Herne Bay there. We, you know, we felt disappointed for Ben Smith, but I think Kevin, um, well, I suppose, natural trajectory, isn't it? He's managed in the Scaffold, managed in the Ryman South East. Now he's got a chance to Test himself in the Ryman Premier. Or it's been a long time that. since you've called it the Ryman. Ryman Premier, yeah, yes, but whatever it is. And of course, ben, ben Smith and Kevin Watson were both on the same radio show, weren't they? Because yes. they, they, they were the managers when they faced yeah. off in the FA Vars. So uh, there you go. Uh, into the scaffold now. I'm talking to the FA Vars. It took centre stage for our four remaining teams on Saturday in an effort twice as good as the Spice Girls Christmas number one. 
Four became two. Uh, Irith Town won the all-scaffold tie at Stansfield 2-1, uh, while Larkfield and Newhithe went out to Rains Park Vale by the same score. Uh, it was 2-2 after 90 minutes in Deal's tie with Sporting Bengal, but the visitors prevailed on spot kicks. Uh, away draws for both of the remaining teams in the next round. Irith go to Bridgewater, uh, where Tunbridge Wells won last season, and Deal Town will go to Corsham, which is over in Wiltshire. Uh, as you will hear, Steve King wasn't thrilled by that draw, but he was happy enough to have avoided Irith. I started, though, by asking Kingy about that penalty win at Sporting Bengal, Another spot kick success for the Hoops. It seems to be in the bars that um, we seem to win our penalty shootouts in that competition. Um, that's two this season. So, um, yeah, we was pleased to get through. Uh, obviously, a, a, a tough place to go. I guess, didn't I read as well that the game was delayed because there was no corner flags? Yeah, um, it was a, an interesting afternoon. Um, one where we had to be pretty disciplined throughout uh, with a few things that were going on um, and even the start of the game there were no corner flags I don't think the nets were sorted properly um, and yeah it, it was a it was a challenge let's put it that way but um, we managed it well the officials did a pretty good job um, and um, yeah we yeah we got through in the end uh, you, you say there was obviously things going on how, how important is it that you sort of drill into your players that they've got to keep their heads and, and be calm when stuff around them that they can't control is going on? Yeah, it's a big thing that we work on. Um, I'm big on discipline. Personally, I think it's it's really important. Um, just in the fact of it's very difficult to compete at our level if you keep getting suspensions, keep getting people sent off um, and stuff like that. And I think we've had one red card in the last 15, 16 months. Um, so that the boys are pretty good. We've got good characters in the dressing room and um, we just try and control... The things that we can, and and I was proud of I was proud of the boys on Saturday. Sporting Gold Bengal, a good side. They've got some good players. They make life difficult for the opposition. I think any grounds where there's running tracks round and the pitch isn't great. It, the, I mean, they're not easy places to to go and get a result. But the boys sort of controlled everything that that they could on the afternoon. Obviously, you'd rather have won it in, in in normal time. Yeah, well, we just keep. It's about the third or fourth time recently. I sound like a broken record where we've been pretty comfortable in games and one break away and added on time, and we seem to um, it seems to end up in the back of our net and um, getting a little bit frustrated if I'm being honest because it's making it's making games where we've been pretty comfortable um, look like we've sort of struggled through. Um, we had. Beer set away in the league. We, we're completely comfortable, conceding a 93rd minute penalty. We had lid away where we were 3 1 up going into added on time and conceded twice. And then we had Saturday where, again, we were very comfortable second half. Um, I think they had one shot in the last 25 minutes and it's ended up in the back of the net. So I have asked the boys if we can sort of make our lives a bit easier and just see games out. But um, it just seems to be going against us a little bit in that respect. That draw came out on Monday for, for the Vars. I, I guess you're probably quite pleased you've got a, a little bit of a trip, haven't you, down, down to Corsham? I'm gutted at times, to be honest. Um, just because I think we've had four away draws. We've had really good crowds at home and we just wanted a home draw this time. Um, wanted a home draw. We wanted to try and get a big crowd in at Charles Ground and... Um, and really see if we could make it into the last 16 at home and um, drum up that support. But the boys love a journey. Um, we're, we're delighted that we didn't get Irish Town. Um, and I'm sure Adam Wood would have said the same, that 
Do you know I mean that that was that was a dreaded draw really to draw another scaffold club at this stage, um, and it's a side that we know nothing about three or four hours away. Um, we've already started planning over the last couple of days, and yeah, it's really exciting. Um, and it's what the Vars is about, isn't it? Do you know what I mean going and do you know what I mean travelling to other parts of the country? Not many don't get many opportunities to do that at step five. So um, yeah, we we would have liked a home draw, but we're certainly not complaining uh, with what's happened. Obviously, you've got what four or five weeks until the game. How do you go about sort of uh, finding out a bit about them and things like that? And I suppose, obviously, the time of year as well. There's always going to be a danger that this game could could fall to the conditions and stuff. So I suppose it's it's, it's a tough one, isn't it? Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll do our homework. Um, I will I will go and watch them um, before we go down there. Um, we've got a date pending for that. Uh, once Christmas holidays, it's just alluded to us teachers don't work much, so um, we'll get down there and um, and watch them. There's quite a lot on YouTube now. Clubs seem to put a lot of clubs are putting their highlights up, so we've already got a little bit of a grasp of it. Um, and we'll make sure come the 14th of January that we know as much about them as we would a scaffold club that we've played every year for the last five or six years. That's our job as a management team and. Um, we won't be leaving any preparation um, to chance. I think the plan is that we're probably going to stay down there the night before as well, um, just because of the length of the journey involved on the day. So the club is supporting us with that. So um, yeah, come come the 14th of January, we'll be we'll be prepped, we'll be ready, and obviously we hope that we're going to have a fully fit squad um, by that point, and we'll be doing our best to progress. Yeah, plenty of uh, league action before that as well, starting, of course, on Saturday with a uh, a, t- a tough one on paper against the Whitstable side under Marcel, who, who, who were doing right, but they don't have a great record at home, do they? No, to be honest, I, I'm not really reading too much into into recent results. I think they've, they've got a very strong squad. Um, I think they've probably been adapting to, to move into a 3G. Um I think the other thing is a lot of sides like going and playing at brand new ground, so that's probably gone against them a little bit, that sides have turned up and been like twice as nice um, and raised their game. They've got a very strong squad. Marcel's something that I've got a lot of respect for, obviously coming up against him when he was at Sheppey over the last couple of years. Um, He knows how to win games of football in Scaffold and their side on paper is very strong and... um, it's going to be a really tough game. Our, our recent league run, I think our last five or six league fixtures, we've had sort of Phoenix, Sutton, Stansfeld, Erith and Belvedere. So we're right in the middle of the run of playing sort of all the top boys. Um, so, yeah, we're expecting another tough one. We've obviously the cup games that we've had thrown in between. So we've had a real tough run recently. And obviously we're coming up to the the uh, cliche busy Christmas period. Did you like the, the Christmas uh, football? No, I love it, yeah. Um, to be fair, our scaffold doesn't seem too busy at the minute. We're, we're sort of going Saturday to Saturday. I think I don't even really want to think ahead to sort of what February and March might look like for us. Um, we've obviously the games that we've lost with Kent Senior Trophy, which we're still in, um, and obviously the Vars games. Um, because our last midweek game was sort of, I think, away at Lid a few weeks ago, um, nearly a month ago now. And we're not, I don't think we're scheduled to play midweek until the end of January. Um, so I know for the football league clubs where they have to play about four in ten days, it's very busy. But to be honest, for us, it's just the usual schedule. We're sort of playing once a week, but it's great to get the crowds in. Um, it's a great time of the year. 
um, for everybody to be together. And I think what's better than it, at football, do you know what I mean, to get everybody together. That's a good win for Deal, uh, Matt. They're into the last 32, but he sounds a bit frustrated, doesn't he, that they keep throwing these leads away? Yeah, he does. Interestingly, I bet he was, you know, frustrated with that goal went in late against uh, Sporting Bengal. But as he said in the in the um, FA Vars, they do have seemed to have a good record at penalty shootouts. It's a decent result. I suppose the days of spent Sporting Bengal getting tonked every week are long gone. So difficult to tie away from home. Um, seem to be in control, but the inability to kill teams off is affecting them a little bit at the moment. But the most important thing, they're in the next round of the uh, competition, that next 32. Again, I know it's in Wiltshire, their place they're playing, isn't it? But no idea if they're any good, as already Kingy, but they'll do the homework and fingers crossed they can be in the last 16. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? When we're talking about, and we talked about this before, how how you find out about a team you know nothing about, and and he's very confident that he's going to know lots about them. And and I think, as you were saying there, the fact that it's a bit of a quieter fixture period over Christmas for our scaffold teams is probably going to help them uh, in that aspect because he will get the chance to go and watch them. And that's obviously a big thing. We know how much the, the FA Vars means to deal, and you know it's this year is ten years since the, uh, a Kent club got to the final. And it would be great if one of those two could do it. Uh, you know, both clubs that uh, have been on this podcast several times, both clubs that are very friendly, very welcoming people behind them. And it would be amazing if, if one of them were to go all the way, wouldn't it? I think it is. And, you know, look at the league table. It's got to be um, Deal's priority. I would have thought they can still get the second place. It looks like everything going to run away with the division. Everything Belford are going to run away with the division. But I suppose for Deal, the, the Vars is always going to be a something in the horizon, how much they love. But the bread and butter of the league's got to be important. And now maybe you can park it now and for the next few weeks. Let's try and get some form going into that game in the competition and see if they can go from there. The dog is about to either go outside or scratch against the door for something. You might hit the dog in a minute. So there you go. Yeah, going back to that. Yeah, it's a big, important competition, but try and get some form in your, in your boots again for the league and then go into that tricky looking tie. I've got no idea. All I all I Googled was where they were in Wiltshire. I don't know. I haven't looked at where the league table is, but it's a tricky tie. But, you know, I fancy deal. Kingy, Kingy will be prepared. Fingers crossed they can get the result. Absolutely. Uh, and obviously, big weekend for, for them in the league as well as they go to Whitsmore. He said, you know, you can't take into account what's been going on there. You can only take on what you're going to get on Saturday. And it should be a tough game for, for deal at Whitstable. And, you know, these are two clubs who are among the ones you should be looking and saying, no, we need to be at the higher level, aren't they? Yeah, Whistable, I've got to check their results like been recently. So, again, a bit of new manager bounce, but so interesting what Kingy said as well in that. He said people, you know, like to plan a new 3G as well. So the new facilities, new grounds, maybe some of the clubs are raising their game against Whistable, as we thought, you know, the favourites to go up. And now Whistable have got to make sure that they are the big team in this division to put some of these sides behind. But we expected that new manager bounce from Marcel, but it hasn't really happened that at the moment, has it? But eighth place, it's a big game there for Deal. Deal got games in hand, but I think um, it's a game that Whitstable need to be beat, need to be beaten Deal, A, for the league form, and B, to sort their home form out as well. 
uh, away from the Vars. The big news in the scaffold has come from the leaders, Irith and Belvedere. They're 17 points clear at the top. Uh, but the manager, Tony Beckingham, has resigned, citing fundamental football differences between myself and the chairman. Uh, the club have said today that Andy Constable uh, has been placed in interim charge uh, and the rest of the coaching team have stayed. That's a bit of a blow for the Deers, isn't it? it isn't it, Matt? To, to lose your manager when you're doing so well. And it's a tough one, but when someone leaves the club and puts out a statement like that, it will make managers look at it and think, oh, hang on a second. Do, do, do you understand what I'm saying there? And I'm, and, and I'm not taking any sides in that, but that just kind of shows that Tony Beckingham has said what he said. Um, we don't know what the differences were, but people are going to be looking at that thinking, oh, what's gone on there? And and I don't think either party will come out of that particularly well, that statement. No, it was interesting because I saw the statement from the club that Andy Constable was taken over in charge, but I couldn't find anything about the manager leaving. So I was quite shocked about from that point of view, especially if had a fantastic season, one defeat in 18, is it? You know, 17 points clear at the top. Fundamental difference between the, what was the quote you said? Fundamental difference between footballing Fundamental football differences between myself and the chairman. You'd have thought the chairman would be absolutely patting him on the back with the way they're going, unless the chairman's saying, well, he might have to cut the, cut the budget or anything like that. Interesting. Um, let's see how they react to that now with games coming up and see how they get on. But yeah, strange one with the side top of the league. Maybe more to the story there. We'll keep an eye on that one, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And Andy Constable, of course, uh, we had him on last season when yep. he scored his, what, 400th goal. And, yeah. and and I think I remember him saying, oh, I don't think management's for me. So uh, I'm, I'm guessing he's obviously enjoyed being on the coaching team at Ethan Belvedere and he's happy to give it a go uh, in the short term. But, you know, who who knows what's going to happen uh, there? Because I, despite what I've just said there, I'm going to contradict myself a bit. But, but if you were a, a manager with aspirations to manage in the Eastman League South East next season, that's a, a very appealing job, isn't it? Yeah, well... And basically, from him, he's on. He can't win really because if they carry on winning games, or we've had that, you know, the the, the season that we have, he starts losing games. Everybody thinks it's going to be his fault. So, interesting times ahead. Maybe you, we I mentioned about Eris and Delvedere winning it. They lose a few games, or there's problems in the camp. Other sides can maybe pounce. Uh, on Saturday, Whitstable won 2-1 at Bearstead. Hollands of Blair were 3-1 victors at K-Sports. Summer Giles won 3-0 at Canterbury City. Irith and Belvedere drew 3-3 with Fisher. Uh, Isaac Thompson getting a hat-trick for the visitors. Uh, well, Glebe won 4-1 at Punjab. Sutton Athletic scored twice in a minute to earn a 2-2 draw with Phoenix Sports. And Rustall won 2-0 at Wellingtown. Uh, fixtures over the weekend in the scaffold full programme. Uh, some kickoff times may be moved, but do you know what? I kind of get the feeling, actually, that because the distances aren't too big here, uh, it should be OK and everyone will be able to get home uh, in time for a big football match at seven o'clock on Saturday evening. Uh, but we have got a couple of two o'clock kickoffs already. Phoenix Sports against Irith Town. Punjab against Canterbury City and Tunbridge Wells against Glebe. And then at three o'clock at the moment, Hollands and Blair take on Wellingtown. It's K-Sports against Lordswood. Rustall against Fisher. Stansfeld against Irith and Belvedere. Sutton Athletic against Holmesdale and Tunbridge Wells. And Whitstall Town, as we've already mentioned, against Deal Town. Uh, quickly run through the Scaffold First Division as well. 
fixtures over the weekend. Uh, of course, as mentioned, Lutford New Hive knocked out of the FA Vars, unfortunately, the weekend. It was Brighton Ropes 4, Faversham Strike Force 0. Croydon 1, Rochester United 0. Forest Hill Park 3, AFC Whiteleaf 0. It was one all between Snodland Town and Lidtown. Uh, obviously, that game finished 8-0 to Snodden when it was played a few weeks ago. Uh, 87 minutes between those two goals there, though, as Lid took the lead in, on three minutes. Uh, Byron Walker equalised for Snodland on 90. Uh, and Staplehurst Monarchs and Greenways finished 0-0. Greenways score goals for fun but not seemingly when they play away to Staplehurst Monarchs. Uh, into the fixtures for this weekend, uh, Bermondsey Town against AFC Whiteleaf. It's Faversham Strike Force against FC Elmstead. That's at two o'clock. Forest Hill Park against Greenways. Larkfield and New Hythe take on Brydon Ropes with another two o'clock. Uh, Town against SC Thames means Meridian VP against Croydon. Rochester United against Lewisham Borough. And Tooting Beck are at home to Snodland Town. That one is a 1.30 kickoff. No midweek games in that division next week because hopefully there's going to be a semi-final uh, anyway. Well, there will be semi-finals. It's just going to be whether England are in them as not. Uh, let's move on to the National League now and a truly awful weekend at Hayes Lane uh, where Bromley's game with Yeovil was abandoned early on due to a medical emergency in the crowd. Uh, and very sadly, that emergency ended with the passing of Bromley season ticket holder Keith Hoare. Uh, such sad news and our thoughts are with all of his loved ones and those at both clubs who were involved in the efforts uh, in that game on Saturday. It's kind of your worst nightmare, isn't it, going to a game of football and, uh, and not making it home, Matt? Yeah, terrible news. Bromley, you know, uh, reading uh, the physio, used to be at, uh, Hustle used to be at Dover, you know, he, he was talking about it, but everybody tried their best. But yeah, nobody should ever go to a football ground and never come back, so... Seems he was a you know a loyal supporter of Bromley and from Gillingham as well, so he's a real loss to them. But I should probably have put a book of condolences out. And Bromley, a, a kind of club who you know will make sure that anybody's affected with this will be you know looked after. So yeah, we'll feel for his family and friends. But yeah, really sad events there. Yeah, as I say, thoughts with all of his loved ones and everyone who knew him. Uh, on the pitch, Maidstone United have been three games unbeaten. They led at Woking as well, but ended up losing that by, by three goals to one. Uh, but they have had a little bit of a boost uh, of late, and they are out of the bottom four at the moment. This weekend, Bromley back at home uh, against Wealdstone on Saturday. Maidstone at home to Altrincham. Uh, we talk a lot about Maidstone, but it, it looks, Matt, like they've they've kind of found a bit of a, a, a bit of a formula. And I suppose if they were to get a result against Altrincham on Saturday, that would do the, the world of good, wouldn't it? Yeah, again, it's Altrincham aside on paper. Uh, I know they're full-time, Altrincham. You know, one of the sides, if you're going to do well in this division, you've got to be beating Altrincham at home. So, Maystone picked up a couple of points. Uh, you know, I think it's three wins out of five, is it? Broken are a good side this season, so there's no no real shame there. Shame the goalkeeper got injured, Samford, I think. So, um, and that may be a factor from losing in the second half. But, yeah, they're going in the right direction. You know, they just got to keep going as they are, really. Seems that the teams relegated from the Football League are going to go straight through Oldham's guns up and Maidstone. Have they got enough? Um, then, then probably two out two or three other clubs to do it, stay up. I think they probably have. Just got to keep going in the right direction. So um, that little blip they are on is gone, and maybe the pressure off Hackenhead Retting because I think when I left to go to the World Cup, there was a lot of pressure on him, but the results have turned around a little bit. So again, make the home make the home ground a fortress like they did when they beat Maidenhead, which was a good result. Uh, you know, I would have thought they should have enough to beat Altrincham at home if they played to their capabilities. Into the National League South now, where uh, we talked a bit about a blip for Ebbsfleet United. They got knocked out of the FA Trophy. They lost at home in the league to Tunbridge Angels. Uh, they obviously got knocked out of the FA Cup. 
a couple of weekends ago. Go quite unlucky against Fleetwood, actually. I watched a lot of that game. Uh, bounce back just 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 a little bit. Beat Slough uh, on uh, Saturday. And then on Tuesday night, they went down to Worthing. A Worthing side who on Saturday had won 5-1 away to Hamilton Waterlooville. We looked at that and thought, well, that's going to be a tough one for Ebbsfleet. Ebbsfleet United won 6-0 away from home. Uh, they are four points clear at the top of the table. Uh, Dartford in second have got th- have played three games more. Um, it's looking pretty good for Fleet, isn't it? Well, uh, maybe this, this, this was the week that probably cemented it a little bit. And you think, you know, I thought, haven't great result. They had, uh, Worthing had a great result. I haven't. Ebbsfleet going there. Worthing, a, a decent side, which I'll probably see at the weekend. And, you know, they put them to school. And you look at that as well. The goal difference, plus 34 after 19 games, is a factor. Again, the, the pressure, you know, when they play the big games at the, over the Christmas when they play Dartford, the pressure's not on Ebsley. Pressure's all on Dartford. So, I would have thought now, in, in this position, from what everybody says, what I've seen, Ebsley are the best side in this division. And it's only really theirs to throw away from this position as well. So, Dartford aren't consistent enough um, I don't think, and I think Ebsley, um four points out of the Christmas period puts that to bed. I'll be shocked if Ebsley don't win it from here. I think this this week they've bounced back from the cup competitions. Good win against Slough, superb win against Worthing, scoring goals without conceding it. The blip's gone and Ebsley can march on. So I expect them to get promoted, yes. After beating Ebsley United, Tom James did have a bit of a blip. Uh, but they've had a great week this week uh, as they won 1-0 at Hungerford on Saturday and followed that up with a 3-0 win over Inform Eastbourne Borough. Tumbridge Angels, Matt, are ninth in the table. Yeah, look, They're only a good. point outside the playoffs. And as well, we should yeah. pay tribute to Sonny Miles, uh, who made his 500th appearance for the club uh, last weekend as well. What, what, what a great achievement that is, Matt. Yeah, yeah, fantastic achievement. He's been a real, when he was at Maidstone, he was very good for the season. He was there. Mr. Tumbridge Angels. Look at Tumbridge Angels. Sometimes you look at the results all... They're not consistent enough, but you know, amazing what two wins on the spin can do in this um, in this division has put them on the outskirts of the playoffs. Again, um, yes, yeah, he's doing a very good job, Jason. It's just going quietly about his business there. And again, if if Tunbridge Angels can get in the playoffs, that will be a fantastic achievement, I think. So, um, yeah, a really, really good job he's doing. Jordan Greenwich, he got in. I saw he's a striker. I saw for Hamill, I think, early in the season. He is an absolute handful. And if you play to his strengths, he can score goals. A real big, big lad up front. Um, clearly, they're playing to his strengths. He's scoring goals at um, at Tunbridge, and you know shows what a good manager Jay Saunders is getting out of the best of a player that's been round the houses. But clearly, there's a player in there. If you play to his strengths. He could be a real asset. I think Tunbridge Angels. You look at them, and, and actually, he's born below them as well. They're, they're teams who don't draw many games, and and they both. Won ten, but they both yeah. drawn, both lost nine yeah. as well. Um, and I kind of with Tunbridge Angels of late, and this may sound like absolute nonsense what I'm about to say, but kind of when you look at their fixtures and think, oh, they should win that one, they tend not to. And then yeah. we look at it and think, well, that's going to be tough. They're winning it, and I suppose that's the mark of a of a that something's right there if you can go and bloody the noses of the teams around you. Uh, but, uh, but you've just got to find that. The, the way of motivating, I suppose, against the teams that you're expected to be beating. Yeah, I think I think it's a good result against Eastbourne. I have to say, three 0 at home. They're looking at their fixtures coming up. They've got now they're in the space of three home games on the spin um, in the league. Um, and looking at the next two games, well, arguably the way Welling are playing as well, they're thinking they can pick up points here. So 
yeah, interesting month coming up, I think, for uh, for, for Tunbridge Angels. So, um, you know, yeah, I think you're right. You look at it, you think, oh, they lost to them. But then, as we saw, they went to Ebsleet and got a result. So, clearly, um, well, we know Jay Saunders is a good manager. To get that little bit more consistency, they can be uh, um, really on the edge of the playoffs. Yeah, Dartford were beaten 1-0 at Chelmsford uh, on Saturday. Uh, Welling had drawn 1-1 at Bath on Friday night. And it was the same score for Dover Athletic uh, against St Albans. Now on Tuesday night, Welling uh, beaten at home by Farnborough 2-1, a late, late goal there. Uh, and Dover's first trip, probably, to Chessant uh, ended in a dismal 2-0 defeat. Um, we just said about Tunbridge Angels, now they've got back-to-back wins, now they're on the edge of the playoffs. If you won both of those two, you'd be there and all. Yeah, but we don't like to score any goals. And we, you can't go to Cheshire and not get a result. From the reports I get, it wasn't the greatest performance against Cheshire. Again, Andy Hesentano on pressure. Andy Hesentano doesn't want there because he had COVID. So, um, uh, St. Albans were decent on Saturday. Dover, defensively, I think they're OK. But I think the last time we scored more than one, well, we scored two, two against Hampton, but particularly at home, we just don't look like we're scoring any goals. Um and clearly, we're not going to invest in the squad as well. You see, other teams are now um, sort of bringing in loan players or just just changing the squad around, just a bit of freshening it up a bit. Clearly, there's no money at Dover to do that, and so it's just a little bit stagnant. And it'll be interesting how they get on against Worthing at the weekend. Worthing will be hurting after being tonked by Ebsleet, but I would be concerned of what the crowd would be at Dover because um, I don't think they're going up. And I don't think they're going down. So you've got to give the fans something to shout about. And um, at the moment, it's turning into a bit of doom and gloom again, John. And because I'm, I'm back, I've turned into Mr. Doom and Gloom as well. <laughs> uh, this weekend it is the repeat of the opening day fixtures uh, on Saturday. Dartford at home to Bath City. That one's at 12.30. Uh, Ebsfleet head out to Chippenham. Uh, Dover, as Matt has just said, at home to Worthing. Summer Angels are at home to Weymouth and Welling take on Taunton Town. And then there's a load of fixtures in midweek as well when you've got a World Cup semi-final and a train strike. That really is the dream, isn't well, it? Well, I was going to moan about this, John. Who the hell? They must know that what Again, if England, had been, if England had come second in the group, this would have been their semi-final on Tuesday. Why has the National League scheduled what, a, what looks like a full fixture programme for the same night as a World Cup semi-final. Are they, are, they again, on, are they on glue? And I could say, you could have Brazil against Argentina um, in the World Cup semi-final, which will be a classic game, of course. And you've you've got a, a full set Hung, of... Hungerford against an Auburn City or Brazil against Argentina. Exactly, again, it's going to be to. minus five. Again, Dover <laughs> against Tunbridge. I'd have gone to that game. I'm not going to go now, A, because I want to watch Brazil against Argentina. Whoever has worked out the fixtures in this, surely there's plenty of weeks to do it. Let's do it on the weekend, the, the midweek of the World Cup semi-finals. Absolutely scandalous decision. And I feel for teams like Tunbridge, because if Dover came on, a, I don't know, a nice March evening or whatever, when it's a bit better, you get a good crowd. There's going to be a nothing crowd for that game if Brazil get, or if it's a big World Cup game. Because people want to watch that. It, it just doesn't make any sense at all. And I feel for the, like, there must be clubs thinking, why the hell are we playing here? Because they're going to lose money on games because nobody's going to go. And with a train strike as well. She's now yeah, yeah, exactly. isn't it? Yeah, it, it is absolutely. I'm just bemused. At the start of the season, 
surely they would have looked back when are the World Cup in games are going to be. And they've had plenty of opportunities to have midweek games. And having two this week um, when the World Cup was on and next week when the semi-finals on is utter, utter travesty. And I'm sure there must be clubs thinking, why are we doing this? Because, you know, it just doesn't make any sense at all. Now, you talk about going to Tunbridge on a nice uh, summer's evening. Our, our good friend Sam Incasol once went on a date to Tunbridge Angels against Dover. I mean, yeah. it didn't last. I, I, I'm not surprised. Unsurprisingly. And Sam is now very happily engaged and everything like that. But, I mean, seriously, he went on a date with a woman to Tunbridge Angels against Dover. I mean, that is stretching it. Um, exactly. Games that no one will be watching on Tuesday night. Uh, Chestnut against Welling. Ebsleet at home to Eastbourne Borough. Uh, Tunbridge Angels against Dover Athletic, as Matt has just said. And then on Wednesday night, Wednesday bloody night, England possibly having to Waterlooville against Dartford. That's a massive game. And it could be on the same time as England's World Cup semi-final. Well, again, well done all. Again, if you're a Dartford fan, I would give you maximum respect if you're travelling to Havens and not watching England in the semi-final of the World Cup. So, yeah, so I could be... We could be recording this next week and there could be a thousand for Tunbridge against Dover and I'll eat my hat and eat my words. But I, I'm sure Tunbridge would expect a thousand if they play Dover normally. They'll be lucky if Brazil against Argentina or whatever, they'll be lucky to get a third of that, I'm sure. Yeah, well, let's hope that people do go along and support their teams. Yeah, you should not go, gonna, yeah again. If you're, not gonna watch, if you're not going to watch the game, but I completely understand... Uh, where you're coming from. And I'm just looking ahead at the fixtures as well. Cheston are also at home to Ebsfleet the following Tuesday. So that's three successive Tuesday nights where a team from Kent has made the trip to Cheston. What a time to be alive. Uh, that is it for the football chat. Uh, so I suppose you've just been boring everyone you know about the World Cup, haven't you, mate? Yeah, exactly. And, what, and, and basically my family as well, because all I've done is watch on the telly is the World Cup as well. So, of course, these two days, Wednesday and Thursday, where there's been no games... Um, I'm trying to catch up on it. Well, tell you, I've got a lot of television to catch up on because all I've been watching is football. Um, and, I, and again, I have been boring people because people are thinking I say the same old things. How much I loved it. So, but I did. I did have a good time. So, um, but I, yeah, again, I have to say a winter World Cup is the way forward because it is great coming home at five o'clock and then putting a game on and then another one comes at seven o'clock. So that that has been a bonus. Um, yeah, but I, I need to get back to back to routine, really. But then it's, then it's bizarre. It's Christmas coming up. So for December is going to be a crazy month, isn't it? I can't get out of the routine of the World Cup. Then Christmas comes and then then I'll finish work for a couple of weeks. And yeah, so it's all crazy stuff. Are, are you all trimmed up? Trimmed up? Treed up, yeah. We've got our Christmas. We're all decorated up. We did that on the Sunday I came back. So all the decorations are up. Um, yeah, we're, uh, we've got to sort, sort out presents now and bits and pieces. So um I think that might be an evening of me not watching football. I have to speak to my good lady wife and because she doesn't like football, she hasn't watched any of it, no interest at all. So she goes in the other room while I watch the football. So, so um, uh, we need to sort the Christmas presents out for the kids, really. Yeah. The current extent of my decorations is uh, I earlier on today bought a uh, cactus which has a Father Christmas hat and beard on it. So oh. that is firmly on display. I'll have a little Christmas decoration next to it as well. Uh, I have got some lights uh, that I'm going to put out on the balcony. Uh, I hope it's not too bright. I don't want it to look like there's flashlights on the balcony. Um, but I've bought some little battery-operated lights that I'm going to stick out there to give it a little bit of a festive feel. Uh, I've got some other bits and pieces to stick around as well. And um, 
I know this is quite a long show, but I need to call someone out, Matt. And the person I'm going to call out is my mum. I love the woman dearly. She's a brilliant mum. She's been an amazing mum to me uh, for the past 41 years. She's been a great mum. Until about a week ago, two weeks ago, I was round at at my mum and dad's house and she came in and said she was bouncing. She said, I've got a present for you too. And she presented me and my dad with a dairy milk advent bar. Now, this is in lieu of an advent calendar. It is a bar of dairy milk, which has 24 numbered squares on it. And you can only have one bloody square a day. Uh Now, when I took when I opened it on the first last uh, last Thursday, I took a picture of the small chocolate, the small little morsel of chocolate that I had. And I sent it to my mum and said, you are an evil woman. And she admitted that she didn't buy herself one because she knew that she'd just eat the whole bloody lot in one go. And I'm just going to add as well, Cadbury's, you've got blood on your hands here because it's not a bad idea. I'll grant you that. But what they did to really make it cruel was that you open it at the end where it says open this and it came out of the bottom. So you had to get the whole bar out to get to your first chunk. And I mean, you know, I can cope with an advent calendar. That's fine. I don't mind that in the slightest. But having a full bar of chocolate and only being able to have a tiny bit every single day is just You've, you've done the willpower. You haven't eaten any of that, have you? No, I did say, uh, and uh, I said this to her at the time, I said, I'll go and buy another four of them. Then when I get fed up and eat the whole, eat one in the, <laughs> in the whole, in one whole, whole go, you know, then it'll be a different kettle of fish. But yeah, what, how cruel is that? I mean horrible how commercialized christmas has come mate the, the, the birth of jesus has now gone to an advent calendar bar let alone a thing so yes um I, I i my kids have got chocolate ones and they do come down i'm sure if i looked at it more awkwardly there's probably stuff that what is it the seventh today probably i reckon the eighth ninth and tenth have already been eaten and they just pretend in the mornings they haven't done it so do you know, i did I, buy an advent calendar for someone um on the a, a couple of a, a week or so before and then literally they just all went they, they was and some of them were so expensive as well as like some chocolate advent calendars like 15 16 quid yeah. advent calendars are huge and like the apprentice is coming back on the 5th of january and and i noticed and i, I like that a lot I, I i'm always surprised that it's never been on there like alan sugar saying to them you've got to make an advent calendar a terrible impression apologies alan yeah. uh lord lord sugar sir alan whatever you are um you know, because it has become a massive, massive thing. I mean, the last few years I've had a beer advent calendar, but I've kind of got to the stage now where it's been, there's been beers in them that I've not enjoyed. So why spend the money out on that? But it's just got massive and I haven't got an advent calendar. I've just got this bloody annoying advent calendar bar and I get to have one square epoxy chocolate a day, every day until Christmas. I admire your um, uh, willpower because we've, we've had a Heroes bar and I've really gone through and eaten all the double deckers because i do like well it's called a different decker now but i do love a double decker but but um, they are they're getting smaller and smaller but no i, I admire your willpower mate very good no, i should get a bloody medal mm-hmm. um yeah i've not been watching much until I've, I've finished the last series of taskmaster uh that i've done that the last couple of days but i've just been working loads and, and playing hard 
had a few days away uh, down and stayed actually not too far from a team who one of our teams lost to in the FA Vars last year. Went to Hanworthy, uh, which uh, I think was where Glebe got knocked out of the Vars last year um, or earlier this year, in fact. But uh, yeah, had a lovely few days down there. We were actually staying in Poole, but we were just near Hanworthy. Uh, where we stayed, uh, went to Rick Stein's and had a very expensive meal, um, which was which was very nice. Um, yeah, just uh, living the dream, you know. Everything everything's all right, I suppose. Yeah, again, yeah. I, I, I've got to say the, the disappointment of coming back from holiday a was because I saw my family, but but b now Christmas is coming. Just got to get through because you know Christmas is here. It will be very here very quickly. So um, all in all, it's yeah, it's it's been a good time. And if England can beat France. To, so we, your prediction, will they beat France, John? You, you are a European football expert. If you had to put your mortgage on it, do you think England will beat France? Well, thankfully, I haven't got a mortgage, so yeah. I don't need to worry too much about that. I think, do you know what? I think we might do it. I think we've got a chance. I, I, I just think everyone's going to be talking about Mbappe and, and obviously Giroud scored a lot of goals as well. But I think the English defence will know how to cope with Giroud. Um, and it's just about whether we can threaten Mbappe and one thing that was interesting is I think here in England we have a very different view of our national team than everybody yeah. else and I heard yeah, a thing yeah. heard a thing on Five Live the other week and uh, I think it was in between the the start of this round the 16 and uh, a bloke from the Athletics said I've been talking to all the, other, all the other journalists from around the world and I've said to them what teams have really impressed you who don't you want to play and they're all saying England so, you know, when we don't play well, we all go negative and we all really amplify the negatives of, of the England team. But I think teams around the world are actually fearful of us. So I think, you know, I thought against Senegal, I looked at it and I said quite early on, I was like, we're just better than these. Yeah. And even though people were saying we didn't play very well in the first half an hour, it never looked in doubt to me. Um, so, yeah, I, do you know what? I think we've got a chance and, and I hope that we're not recording the show next Wednesday night because we're busy celebrating England being in the World Cup final, because this time next week, we could be World Cup finalists, and that could be amazing. Again, I have to say beforehand, I, I've still, my, I put money on a team that's still left in the competition um, to win it before it started, and I'm still confident they will win it as well. I, I put have money, money on, on the team that's in it, that's still in it as well. I, 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 Holland I went for. So have I. So beforehand, I, I fancied Holland, and I still think Holland will win the World Cup. So, you know, the reason I put money on Holland was because obviously I cover a lot of European football. Yep. And a year before the Euros, uh, I'd been watching some games and I put £5 on Italy to win the tournament. And look what happened there. Yep. Uh, and then I watched a few Holland games, uh, both in the Nations League and the qualifiers. And they've got strength in depth. They've got good players. Gakpo is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I just think... And, and I said at the time, I, I, I think I got 14 to 1 on them. And I put this on oh, about a year ago, maybe even longer ago than that. And uh, yeah, they're, they're in with a shout. I think they've got a tough game this week, but they just know how to win games of football, don't yeah, they? Yeah, and I, I think they've got a good coach as well. And I think, you know, I think Van Hal is a, is a, is a tournament manager. So I, I, I just think, I just fancy Holland. Um, if you're going to get to the final, they will play Holland. And then it's... Um, yeah, well, I think again the France game. I think it's a flip of a coin. We could win one get one minute and then lose the net. You know, it's either that way. So, but uh, yeah, I still think Holland are going to win it. So there you go. Absolutely. Well, we'll find out next week. And we better go, John. Because it is 
25 past 11. And if we do have yes. to record next Wednesday... Um, We've got all sorts of bother. Yeah. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it off air. Yeah. But cool. next Wednesday's probably not a go. No. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you everybody for listening to this week's show. Uh, as always, you can find us on social media or on Twitter at Kent and our podcast. Uh, we're also on Facebook. Search for Kent Non-League Podcast. I am at John Phipps 81 Matt is at Matthew underscore Gerard. So do feel free to give us a follow. And of course, we also have to hear from people as well. Let us know uh, your thoughts on should there be games played at the same time as the World Cup semi-finals? I think you can probably get, gather from uh, our recent conversation that we don't think there should be. Uh, anyway, uh, as always, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, thanks to both of our guests for their time this week. Uh, good luck to everybody in their games this weekend. And we will speak to you all next week on the Kent Only Podcast. It's good to be back, John. Good to be back.